1: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
2: The best career advice that you are not getting is...
3: To invest.
4: Hello and welcome to You're in Good Company, an investing podcast striving to disrupt the norms in the finance industry. I'm Maddie, and as always, I'm in some very good company with my co host Sophie. Hey
3: Mads, I am very excited for today's episode because we are going to be shining a light on equal payday. But before we jump into today's episode, we would like to acknowledge and pay respects to the Wondery people of the Kulin Nation, who are the traditional owners of this land. We pay our deepest respect to the elders, past and present, and to the next generation, who we hope to create a different future for. So, Mad's Equal Pay Day is next Tuesday, the thirty first of August. We are a week early, but let's yes. get started <laughs> to talk about it early anyway. And uh, you know, when we're moved thinking about starting this podcast, we did some research and it's safe to say that we found a huge difference in like the wealth accumulation between men and women and it's pretty frightening and it's kind of what Equal Payday is all about.
4: Yeah, I mean the stats came out um, at the end of last week so we really wanted to discuss on today's episode leading into Equal Payday day. Uh, unfortunately this year the stats for the gender pay gap have gotten worse. Last year the gender pay gap was sitting at about 13.4% and this year it's sitting at 14.2%. This was definitely, I think, somewhat expected because we have seen over the last 18 months or so that women have been disproportionately affected by COVID. Um, But I guess it's still sad to see the numbers in writing.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I know. Even though it's somewhat expected, it's just really hard to see that The needle is moving backwards. Maybe it wouldn't have happened if COVID hadn't happened, but it has. But as we've already mentioned, we're here today to bring some light to Equal Pay Day. And the theme this year is what's your pay gap?
4: Yeah, so the Workplace Gender Equality Agency are asking all Australians to ask hashtag what's your pay gap in their workplaces and industry as a crucial step towards bridging this divide.
3: So for us to get a little bit more understanding about what the gender pay gap is and diversity in the workplace, we have brought in an expert to help us understand where we're kind of at with the gender pay gap and the true impact of gender diversity when it comes to your investing returns.
4: Today, we're speaking with Maggie Palmer, Aussie founder, speaker and journalist who is now calling New York City home. Having spent 15 years as a journalist and foreign correspondent in Europe, the US and Australia, Maggie has worked for many of the big names, including B. ABC World, CNBC, Channel Seven, Channel Ten, Vogue, and News Corp. Around five years ago, Maggie founded her business Pep Talker with the mission to close the gender pay gap. Her business has come to be a trailblazer in gender equality and Maggie travels globally, speaking and helping some massive companies with retaining female leaders and diversity. We are so excited to have you on, Meggie, onto the show today. Welcome to your In Good Company. Hello. I feel like I'm in great company
0: with you, both. This is going to be <laughs> fun.
4: <laughs> so, Meggie, we start off with
3: the same questions just to get to know you a little bit. The first being, if you have a morning routine, What is it?
0: Look, I'm a bit of a night owl, unfortunately, so I hate the mornings. Um, So I sometimes (laughs) don't start work. Like sometimes I don't get out of bed till 8 or 9 o'clock. In fairness, sometimes I do work till like 11, 12, 1 or 2 sometimes. So that's my excuse. But when I do get up eventually, I – and do you know what? I'm just fine with it now. I'm like, do you know what? I'm just not a morning person. That's cool. So I don't put anything in my calendar until 10.00 unless it's, like, urgent. Um, and I'll typically, I'll do gratitude practice, so I'll go through three things that I'm grateful for. Then I'll have a smoothie, so I'll smash, like, a bunch of frozen fruit, some spinach, <laughs> carrots, try and, <laughs> to try and squash in a few veggies so I sort of don't feel as unhealthy. Um, down that, and then, I'll, like, maybe four times a week I'll do Pilates, a bit of a reformer Pilates. I love it.
4: Nice. Yeah. <laughs> And Maggie, who or what influenced you to invest?
0: Oh, so I think, do you know, I really only started investing, I reckon, maybe a bit under 10 years ago, or maybe like nine or 10 years ago. So what am I now? I'm 37. So probably when I was maybe... 25 26 I kind of went through that like a man is not a plan realization not that I'd ever <laughs> thought that but I was like nice. I really need like I'm not getting any younger I genuinely need to like set myself up financially so I started asking my mates from college they were always like investing and dabbling in shares. And at the time I was too busy drinking and partying and I kind of thought they were like (laughs) nerdy losers on reflection. The joke is on me because (laughs) they have crushed it with their investing. So I'm a bit behind the eight ball, but yeah, been super passionate about it. Um, since that point.
3: Amazing. I love that. (laughs) And if you were a stock or a company, who would you be and why?
0: Amazing question. (laughs) Who would I be? Um, Oh, I don't know. Like I would be, (laughs) this is so hard. I, I would probably be, I love an ETF, love an ETF. So I would probably be like a really interesting ETF, you know, like maybe like a crypto ETF or like an emerging markets, like not a stock standard boring one. I'd be a bit of a different kind of ETF with lots of different interests and different bits and pieces going on.
3: A little bit risky.
0: <laughs> oh, well, we can talk about that later. I don't think ETFs are very risky. I know what you're saying maybe about the crypto ETF, but we can get into that a little later. Maybe.
4: Yeah. <laughs> so, Maggie, you grew up in Australia and you started your career in journalism. And today you live in New York, you founded your own business and you're working with Fortune 500 companies. So I'm really interested to know the story. How did you come to found Pep Talker?
0: Yeah. So I think, you know, like a lot of people who start businesses, right? For me, it it, it came out of frustration. I was really pissed off, honestly. Basically, when I was a reporter, I had an experience where my pain conditions were super different to some of the blokes. And I found out kind of accidentally and raised the issue. And basically they were like, cool, if you don't like it, you can quit or you can take us to court. And I was like, is that a joke? What? Uh, what? Uh, I didn't really think that's what they were going to say. And um, so I, I just couldn't quite believe that this was happening. I didn't really, I thought that the world was a very equal place. I was probably fairly naive, to be honest. Um, but there we go. So I just was like frustrated from my experience. I found it very stressful. It gave me a lot of anxiety, um, and things like that. And I was like, if I'm going through this and I think of myself as a fairly confident person, fairly resilient, fairly resourceful, I was like, other people must be getting totally screwed over. And so I looked into it and of course came to understand that the gender pay gap sits at around 20%. It's much worse for people of color. Um, you know, and I was like, whoa, I just didn't know. And so I became really interested in all of those issues and how we could kind of shine a light on it um, so that other people could be aware so that they could put systems in place so that they weren't as um, badly impacted as I was.
3: So what exactly does Pep Talk Her do?
0: Yeah, so we're, uh, I own the company, we're a mission-driven social impact business and we're really focused on closing the gender pay gap. So, my dream would be to be unemployed and to be out of a job. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> it looks like I've chosen a business that's probably going to be around for a while. So, depending on what numbers you look at, it, it'll take anywhere from sort of 20 to 30 up to 200 years to close the gender pay gap, right, when you look wow. at it. Yeah, and so that that kind of sucks. But also, on a practical level, it means that, like, all of us are statistically probably earning less than our male colleagues, right, on average. And so that means that we have less disposable income, we have less superannuation, we have less in retirement. And if you look at the, the, the levels of population um, going into homelessness, Women over the age of 50 are actually a growing group um, of people living on the streets in Australia. And so these are all kind of compounding flow and effects because of this inequality that exists. So anyway, we are all about closing the pay gap. Um, We launched an app with Vogue uh, a couple of years ago that helps you track your career success. So the Pep Talker app is totally free. It's on Apple and Android and you can download it. And basically once a week it'll be like, what's up, Maddie? What are you really proud of this week? Or like, Sophie, what have you done at work this week that you want to remember at pay review time, right? So you kind of start to track all those successes because like I don't know about you, but like I don't know what I had for breakfast or for lunch like last (laughs) Wednesday, right? Like I just – I don't know. I couldn't tell you. I don't know what I had yesterday. (laughs) Yeah, do you know? And like there's a lot going on and we're all busy and we're all like high achievers and so we forget stuff that doesn't really matter because we just don't know if we'll need to recall it. And so the point of the app is to say, hang on, hang on, hang on, stop, let's take a moment What was that amazing podcast that you recorded? How many downloads did you get? You know, did you save the money, the company money here? Did you mentor an intern? Did you organize um, a company holiday party? All these little bits and pieces, right, add up to show your value to a company. Maybe you signed a deal with a client that was worth $20,000, right? Maybe you identified something that meant that you kept the company out of the papers, which is a good thing, right, depending on where you work. Maybe you helped little Billy learned to read. And maybe he'd been struggling for six months. If you're a teacher, right? Like these are all achievements that we should be proud of and that we should stop and smell the roses and kind of reflect on those successes and certainly remind our boss when it comes to performance review time. So, yeah, so we have like, there's about 60,000 women around the world in our community, which is awesome. Um, and then, you know, the app's free, we run a bunch of free courses and stuff like that um, every quarter, and then we do a lot of work in-house with uh, corporations, so Fortune 500, ASX 200 companies, so like, you know, LinkedIn, Salesforce, HSBC, brands like that, Westpac. Um, we do a lot to support them internally with their leadership pipeline to get towards 50-50, um, and also um, from a, from an employee retention, engagement and promotion perspective as well.
4: Yeah, it's some amazing work and I think, you know, a lot of those things that you highlighted around how the gender pay gap then leads to all of those sort of flow-on effects and I think that's one of the reasons why Sophie and I really wanted to start this podcast as well because Mm -hmm. we do have such issues with like that wealth inequality and I think, you know, gender pay gap is one way that we can start and then we can really work towards trying to equalise that and then investing is another way that we can kind of try and help to sort of bolster that wealth inequality. I guess we have got you on today because we want to shine a light on Equal Pay Day. So I'm interested to hear, and you did touch on it a little bit there, what's the current state of the gender pay gap and then how does that compare to sort of what the legislation says?
0: Yeah, so, I mean, technically, you're not, you're not allowed to pay men and women differently, right? Like, technically, that's illegal, but here's the thing, you have to be able to prove that and you have to be willing to go to court and you have to get a lawyer if you if you think that's the case, right? And so nine times out of 10, people don't know that they're being un- underpaid and 99.9% of the time, they certainly don't take legal action nor take it to court, right? So what that means is that because there's no transparency necessarily about pay, and it's really interesting, in Australia, pay secrecy clauses are legal, so you'll find that a lot of yes. people in consulting companies or big financial services businesses have a clause in fine print in their in their contract that says you cannot discuss with your mates or your colleagues what you earn. Right? That and and I'm I'm sure they have their reasons that they can justify, but what we know is from a from an equality perspective when there's not transparency, inequality creeps in and starts to seep in, right? And so Let's say I work at a big financial services company and maybe I get paid very well and maybe my my bonus might be like 40 or 50 grand like a lot of money. Like old mate sitting next to me could could be getting 80 or 90 or 100k, who knows? And I would never know because legally, technically I can't actually ask them. Right, so it's really it's it's kind of a gray area, and I think that you know, I would love to see pay secrecy clauses addressed in Australia because in the United Kingdom and in the USA they're not allowed anymore. You can't you can't do that anymore. And certainly America has taken it a few steps further. So for example, where I live in New York State, it's illegal for an employer to ask you what you used to get paid. So if I have a job and I'm interviewing for a new job, the recruiter cannot say, Hey Meggie, what did you get paid at your old job? That's not allowed. And can you just elaborate on why that is? Yeah, so the reason the reason they've outlawed that is because if I've been underpaid, and statistically, as a as a white woman, I probably have been underpaid, around 15 to 20%. So the gap in developed countries oscillates around 15 to 20%. Right? That's approximately the, the pay gap that we see. Um, but if I've been underpaid, for five years, 10 years, whatever. And then if I go to a new company and they say, hey, Maggie, what were you earning? And if I tell them, they're going to benchmark my new salary on the old salary that was probably 15 to 20% too low to start with. So even if they give me a bump, it's possible that I still won't even get up to parity where I should be for that role, right? So by making it illegal to ask people what their prior salary was, it sort of levels the playing field for the new company to offer a fair and reasonable wage and or for the person receiving the offer to negotiate and advocate for a higher, a higher wage. I can give you an example. A friend of mine works in HR at a very large company that a lot of your, viewers, uh, your listeners would know, and she was hiring an amazing woman. Um, and this woman said, "I, I, you know, I'm really excited. I can't believe I'm in the final... Um, interview, you know, I'd love to be paid $70,000. She offered up that information. My friend didn't ask her, but she said, I'd love to be paid $70,000. And my friend said, well, I am going to offer you the job today. And just so you know, we've budgeted $87,000 for this role. So that's what you'll be paid. And this woman was like, what? Because she was only on 60 grand as it turns out at her old job. So she thought 70K was a heap more, which it is, right? But actually she was a woman of color She was a single mother and she went to university later in life, right? And so these factors we know contribute to the gender pay gap being even bigger for those groups of people. So she had historically been underpaid for a very long time and it wasn't until she went to a really values aligned company who was really transparent and open with pay that she realized just how big that gap had been previously in her career. So it's really interesting. Anyway, we don't, you know, that's not the case in Australia yet. I hope that the legislation gets there, but it's important for everyone listening, men and women, to understand that this gap does exist, right? And I'm not saying this is anyone's fault. I'm not saying that employers are bad humans, that they do it on purpose, right? Like most of the time, that's not the case. But when we look at the data and we look at why does the gender pay gap happen? Like where does it come from? right? Like it's like, what, what is this statistical analysis? So <laughs> if you break it down, so we're just, let's, let's just break it down. Right. So there's three major factors. The first factor is jobs that are historically, um, uh, overpopulated with women typically are paid less. So for example, childcare workers, teachers, things like that versus people working in banking. So you know, we, we typically see women and nursing, for example, is is lower paid than other medical fields, right? But we know that there are more women in nursing than in other than in other areas, right? So the types of jobs that women are more likely to gravitate towards are typically paid less to start with, right? So society is, for better or worse, valuing a lot of the work that women do less than the than the roles that are dominated by men. So that's the first reason. So statisticians can kind of pull that bit out and they can account for that. And then they're like, okay, we've taken that out. There's still a gap. Hmm. Okay, so what's causing the rest of the gap? So the other thing is time out of the workforce, right? So childcare responsibilities, caring for elderly relatives, things like that. That's another factor that contributes to this gender pay gap that we see. So again, very smart data scientists can take that out. They can say, okay, we can account for that. Let's put that to one side. Now what's left? And even when you account for both of those factors, there is still a gap. There really? is still a wow. gap that exists. And even like if you look at graduate salaries, for example, so if we hypothesize that most people when they graduate, graduate university, most people don't have children. Most people at that point have not taken time out of the workforce, right? There is still a gap there. And so, you know, again, when we, when we account for those two factors, there's still a gap. And the third part of the gender pay gap is unconscious bias and discrimination, right? So that's, that's the part of the gender pay gap that I'm particularly interested in. So there's, you know, that's going to take generations to change right? Because it comes back to the stereotypes of the way that we're raised as children, you know, little messages that we got from advertising and from books and things like that as kids that our parents got from their parents. So there's that the kind of ripple effect that, that comes through. So that's going to take ages to change. Um, but what we can change is our awareness of the fact that this is a challenge that most of us will experience in our career and how we therefore approach negotiating, advocating for raises and promotions, right? Like we should, we shouldn't have to do that to close the gap, but it is what it is, right? And it exists. And so I'm not going to sit around and wait 200 years for that gap to kind of close on its own with good time. I'm really interested in accelerating the closing of that pay gap. And so that's why I started Pep Talker. And that's why we work with professional women to help them advocate and negotiate for a heap more money. And, you know, it's pretty wild, some of the raises that people have got from working with us.
3: I'm pretty curious, like we're talking about the fact that, you know, we can't really speak about the money that we're making in the workforce. And the work that you're doing is really about kind of is the approach that you can ask for more money whilst you're already in a job. But when you are in that job and you're getting a certain amount of money, how do you know whether you're being paid less or not? Where can you source this kind of information when we're literally told not to talk about it?
0: And I will say, look, a lot of people don't have those clauses in their contracts, right? So some people work in companies where salary is super transparent. Most, well, a lot, I should say, a lot of companies these days have pay bans. Um, Sometimes if your company um, works with a union, the union will often publish it openly. Sometimes you can find it on your intranet. Government salary bans are are typically very transparent. Um, but it's interesting when you get to the executive level, sometimes that transparency disappears, right? And that's a whole other story in and of itself. So, so not, not everyone <laughs> has that clause. So p- people listening today can take a look, have a look at your employment clause and see, right? It might be in there. It might not be in there. If it is in there, there's, there's some ways around it, uh, which we could maybe talk about <laughs> later. But if it's not in there, I say to people, like, you've got to start talking about money. And I know this is, you know, this is what your podcast is all about, Sophie and Maddie, right? Like it's, we need to start demystifying this notion that it's weird or awkward or rude to talk about cash. Cause like the reality is money is making the world go round for better or worse. So like we can just like bury our head in the sand or we can kind of confront it face on. And one thing that I always like to say to people is, you know, it's one thing to say to John who sits next to you, Hey John, what are you earning? bit awkward. Um, but if you trust (laughs) John, if you respect John, if you know that he has your back, if you've got a great relationship, you could say, Hey, would you be down for a coffee or could we do a zoom call or something? And then I always like to phrase it in terms of ranges. So, Hey John, I'm going for this marketing manager role, obviously to be a promotion and hopefully a pay raise. I just wanted to talk to you about what you would expect. I should be paid for that role. Is there a range that you think is fair and reasonable for that role for me? Right? Because John has his own set of expectations of maybe what he was paid or what he would expect to be paid in that role. So when you say to people a range, sometimes it's easier. Or you could say, listen, John, I'm going for this new role. I was thinking it should sit around 62 to 70K. Does that feel about right for you? And he might be like, girl, definitely not. Go for 80 plus. Like, who cares? Or he might be like, nah, you'll never get more than 50. They're so tight in that role. Like, it's never going to happen. Uh, or he might, or he might be like, well, listen, this is what I earned as a marketing manager. I got this bonus. Like sometimes people are really down to be super open and sometimes they're not, but if you can kind of couch it in a way that kind of lets them sit where they feel comfortable, that's, that's really helpful. And also you can chat to your mates super openly about it. There's heaps of resources online. Um, we've got a heap of resources um, that people can download as well. If you go to peptalkher.com slash freebie. Um, there's a heap of resources there as well that have different websites that you can look at. There's a company in America called Buffer, B-U-F-F-E-R. They, they publish everyone's salary. Every single person. Mm. So you could. Might be a bit like Glassdoor. It's kind of like Glassdoor, except here's the thing with Glassdoor. It sometimes Glassdoor will say, you know, for a marketing manager, people got paid between $45,000 and $140,000. And sometimes that's not really helpful because you're like, what? What do I do with that? Sometimes the range on there is (laughs) super broad and it can be almost like it depends. Sometimes it's helpful, but sometimes it's not. The good thing that I like about Buffer, albeit the salaries are in US dollars, but what I like about it is it gives you the salaries today. And you know that a tech company in California, this is what they're paying. In New Orleans, this is what they're paying. In Chicago, this is what you're paying. So you can like blatantly look that up yeah right so that's kind of helpful too but yeah i'll on that on that website um address that i gave you peptalker.com forward slash freebie there's a heap of other resources there that people can check out too
4: well we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors but we'll be right back to chat more with meggy about how she is helping corporations to achieve gender diversity
2: if you're looking for plump lips that last you need to know about juvederm lip fillers
1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
4: So, Meggie, Pep Talk her has two key goals, and that's sort of one of them is helping corporations to achieve gender diversity, and the other is to help women to supercharge their career. Starting with corporations, who are some of the companies that you've been working with and what kind of work are you actually doing with them?
0: Yeah, so we have a large partnership globally with Salesforce, which probably some of your listeners will know. They're a technology, a customer relationship management software company. Um, we started working with them in America and now proudly work with them in Australia too. They're awesome. And they have a real value fit. Like they are very open about gender equality. They do a pay data analysis every single year. So they benchmark salaries for everyone in the company every year to make sure that there's no pay discrepancies. Um, So we work with their women's employee resource group and we do a lot of work with high potential programs um, at a lot of the large banks, asset managers and a lot of technology companies as well. So typically they're like employers of choice who are interested in proactively recruiting, retaining and then promoting diverse talent into leadership roles.
3: That's some pretty amazing work. I guess um, one of the things we wanted to know, because we talk a little bit about gender lens investing, is when you're working with these kind of companies, we have shareholders who have vested interests in the company's performance. So from an investing perspective, why are companies engaging with Pep Talker and what kind of results are you seeing?
0: You know, it's really interesting when you think about what companies are doing. So a lot of the larger companies are these days like actively trying to improve their supply chain. And so they're looking at, you know, who are the external lawyers? Who are the external service training providers like Peptalker, Who are the catering vendors that we're using? Are they woman owned? Are they owned by people of color? Are they indigenous owned? Are they owned by veterans, you know? And so there are increasingly procurement programs. So um, if there's any small business owners or large business owners listening who, who are running businesses as a woman or as a minority, like definitely I would say look into procurement programs because they're super interesting And these companies are actively looking to support um, minority-owned businesses. And what's really interesting about women-owned businesses, we have not taken any venture capital. I've bootstrapped the business myself. But for companies that do receive investment, we know that when there is a female founder, they return more than 30% more return on investment than founding teams with just men. And yet... We still, as a, as a collective, get no funding. Like, it's the, the, the statistics are disgusting. It's less than 10% um, last time I checked. Like, it's so bad. And, again, it's much worse for people of color and women of color raising cash, particularly more than a million dollars, is almost impossible, which is so wrong in 2021, right? It really makes my blood boil. So we know that women-owned businesses are returning more investment and are returning a higher return back to investors, and yet we're still not getting the cash. So we're starting to see that change slowly but surely, uh, but, you know, never quickly enough for me. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Why do you think that is? Why do you think that women-led businesses are returning more on average to investors? Well, I
0: think it's the same reason that you see, you know, companies with women on the board, when there's women on the executive, um, there's a higher net profit, right? The have a business review published a study on this not long ago, and it's beca- I think it's because when you have diverse opinions, you brainstorm better, you problem solve better, you think about problems from different perspectives. You need men and women in the room, right? Because men yeah. bring a heap of value. Of course they do, as do women. But when you're missing a piece, when you're missing those diverse voices, it can be a b- bit myopic, you know, just a bit of like the same old, same old, and you're not kind of creatively thinking or thinking outside the square. Um, so, you know, there's been a heap of studies done that shows that there's value in having women involved in leadership positions and at the board level. Like it's not just a feel-good, like, yay, let's go for equality. It's like if you're a capitalist, if you own shares, if you would like a high return, you should be in favor of equality because you're gonna make more money. Right? So it's not this is not a feel-good, yay, let's be nice and include <laughs> women and close the pay gap. It's not that, it's like, <laughs> yay, let's do it, because there's gonna be trillions more. In the economy globally, and that's exciting because that means more jobs, more investment, more opportunity for people to get out of poverty. So, yeah, I kind of I, I see it as a as a as something that all capitalists should be interested in.
4: I think the other part of what you do at Pep Talker in the helping women to supercharge their careers, and I just want to talk about this for a little bit because we are still experiencing a global pandemic, and we know that that's had a huge effect on all of us, including our finances and our careers, but. What have you observed when it comes to the impacts of COVID and I guess on women in particular?
0: Yeah, I mean, look, it's been, you know, sending thoughts to everyone who's struggling right now, who might be in lockdown or who's had an impact on their business, their finances and their family. You know, it's been tough for everyone. And and in particular, again, there's data. McKinsey's done a huge study on this, particularly for women, because there's a lot of that um, unpaid labor that is disproportionately falling to women and with schools closed in many areas and many countries, no childcare available in a lot, in a lot of situations, like I don't have children and I cannot imagine, I I cannot imagine Mm. how those families have coped. And so we've seen particularly here in the United States, there's been a lot of studies that have shown that women are dropping out of the workforce at an alarming rate, It's really concerning to the point where, you know, it's undone a lot of the fabulous progress that we've made in recent years. So it's a huge concern. Um, And I think, you know, it's going to come back to the fact that the government's going to need to step in and, and, and provide those support opportunities and think about when they're closing down things, when they're categorizing essential services, thinking about, are we thinking about this with a gendered lens? So, for example, construction for a lot of COVID never had to shut down. Mm. which again, disproportionately um, employs a lot of men. And yet we saw other sectors that disproportionately employ women that were shut down. And so, you know, it, it comes into play in all these small little, they're not small, but there's, there's lots of different instances. And when you put them together, it adds up to be a huge challenge that we're all facing collectively. And so, you know, but the, the good news is, is that there um, is some hope. And I think that- people, particularly people who are working in professional industries that haven't been hugely impacted by COVID, we're seeing a lot of people still getting pay raises, still being promoted, still being able to advocate for themselves, even, you know, in times of a pandemic. We had um, one woman who went through our program recently. She got a $103,000 pay raise. And she's what? actually wow. she's in Sydney. Yeah. So people are still getting raises. There's other people that are getting... Oh my Three, four, five k extra, of course, you know, and, and sort of the range between there, right? Like ten grand, thirty grand. Someone got forty three thousand extra the other day, so there you can still negotiate, albeit in a pandemic. You've got to take it into account. If you're working for Qantas right now, that's a tough sell, right? Depending on your role, yeah. that's a tough sell. Having said that, if you work at a tech company that really has had no impact, if you're working in an industry that's doing fine to well you are still within your rights um, to to ask and to advocate for yourself.
3: Yeah, this is such an important conversation. I think as we've highlighted throughout this episode, money can still be a bit of a taboo topic and we just really need to be shining a light on being able to bring up that equal pay so that everyone's sitting across the same level. And you're, you've you actually enlightened the passion even more <laughs> with us. <laughs> To try and close that gender investment yeah, gap. So totally. thank you. No, totally. <laughs> so, Meggie, we are moving into our segment, The Watch List. So each episode, we ask our guest to add a stock, company, news story, industry, trend, whatever tickles your fancy um, to our watch list. The purpose of this is to get us thinking outside the box and broaden our horizons in the investing space. But we are not financial advisors. This is purely for educational purposes and absolutely does not constitute any financial advice. Yeah.
0: Great disclaimer. So,
3: (laughs) what are you bringing to the watch list today?
0: So, listen. I think I think it's so interesting. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day. She earns a lot of money. Like I can't even tell you how much money she earns. It's disgusting. It's a lot of cash, (laughs) right? And so she's she's a pretty good saver. So she's got seven hundred and fifty k in cash. Um, The important (laughs) thing to to hear there is in cash in cash, in cash, cash. And I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, listen, you know, what about investing? Like, and she's like, I just, I feel so much more secure when I have cash. So to anyone listening, I just want to say that I hear that and I understand that. And I think having a cash hedge is wonderful, but I also just want to hammer home the stuff that you all talk about all the time, which is, you know, with inflation and growth, if you keep that amount of money in cash, you're kind of going backwards, like you're yes. literally sliding backwards and you're missing out on so much growth. Even if it's just four percent, three and a half, five percent, like you are you are missing out. And I and I'm still trying to sort of slowly but surely educate her on this. So listen, what I love, honestly, and this is the first thing that I bought, I love an ETF. I love an ETF, um, especially if you're freaked out about risk, stock picking, if you're like, ah, I don't know what to buy. Woolworths has dropped. So this is up. What do I do? Oh my gosh. Just buy an ETF. They're so good. And if you look at the, just go and have a look at the graphs, look at the 10 year graph, look at the five year graph, and you'll see there's ups and downs, hundred percent, but look at the trend. And if you believe in growth if you believe in growth in the ETFs that you're buying, then I, and if you're happy to hold, I personally love to hold. I typically don't buy things that I'm going to hold for less than 10 years. Um, which, you know, some people disagree with, but I like to hold because there's highs and lows, you know, and, and I've had success through just holding through those bad times. I wish I'd bought more, um, when the market crashed during <laughs> COVID, but all. I unfortunately <laughs> didn't, didn't have the, have the chops to do that. So I love an ETF. So I, my first stock that I ever bought was STW which is an Australian ETF. It's done okay, um, but an ETF that's done really well for me the past 10 years is one called SPY, which tracks the SPY. So it tracks the US. So it's a basket of US stocks. So it's a whole bunch of US stocks. So instead of buying a bit of Amazon, a bit of Walmart, you can just buy SPY. It's traded on the ASX. You can buy that. And it's just kind of going to give you growth. I've had, I think I've had 150% growth wow. on that over the last five or six years. Yeah. The other one I like is another ETF. It's a bit riskier, but I like it. It's called IXJ. Oh, I hold that one. And it's a healthcare yeah. ETF. Yeah. I like that one, Maddie. Cause it's like, I believe in healthcare and I believe in the growth of healthcare long term. And so that's why I buy that one because I'm like... It kind of gives me exp- – I've probably done pretty well the last two years, I guess, probably, because it- I'm assuming it held a bit of Pfizer, a bit of Moderna, a bit of AstraZeneca. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't have to stock yeah. and go out and buy those little ones. <laughs> so I just love a basket. I'm so here for the basket of shares. And the other thing that I do, because I'm pretty lazy, unfortunately, is I love StockSpot. It's a robo-advice service, which some yes. of the people may or may not be aware of. And basically, you just set up automatic debits, and they take your cash, and they go – And they send it off into different ETFs and into gold and bonds. So personally, I like that because it's set and forget. Um, I know that I'm getting growth um, and I don't have to stress and read the AFR every day and kind of figure out what's going to do super well, what I should sell. I just kind of buy with a view to hold.
3: I love that you have a bit of both, like you have your robo-advisor because you know you don't want to do everything, but then you also are doing your own thing because I think that's the best way to learn. You need to have a little bit of skin in the game yourself, but like, you know, if you've got other cash to give away, then send it to (laughs) Stockspot.
0: Yeah, that's what I like. And listen, I've done some risky things. Like I've bought the first cannabis stock that listed on the ASX years ago, I bought a bit of that. Um... I sold it within 24 hours and I didn't the cash. Because <laughs> um, it had it a bounce. It a ton. Yeah, it had a massive bounce. I think it was up 700%. Wow. Oh, like my God. I didn't have much, but like still. But I also, listen, the other thing is I also hold a bit of crypto. I'm bullish on crypto long term personally. So I do hold a bit of that. Yep. Yeah.
4: Well, I'm going to hesitate to suggest that you should send your friend with 750k in the bank to this podcast because we might be able to help her with that.
0: <laughs> yes, I know, I know, bless. And I and I think it's really common, right, because you've heard the fears and maybe our mum and dad 100%. had a bad financial advisor and lost everything. Maybe your parents had to sell the house. Maybe your grandparents put it all on black and lost it. So you have this fear, this generational fear that we offer and inherit, and I get it. But I'm just going to say maybe keep 30 or 50 K or whatever your number is in cash and put the rest yeah. in her instance. She's got so much cash. That's not a figure for everyone, but I'm just like, ah, <laughs> you could have literally doubled that. I feel sick. I know. Because you're be a millionaire. <laughs> yeah. She should be a millionaire and she's not because she's done nothing. And I think inaction is a big problem that a lot of us face. So literally like if you're feeling like that, just buy a hundred bucks today. Yeah. That's it. Just a hundred bucks. You know, and then I, I personally like to set it up on auto set and forget with Stockspot, but you can do whatever you want. But just like do something, just do something, you know. So,
4: Maggie, as we come to the end of the episode, I would love um, for you to share with us. If people want to find out more about you or Pep Talk Her, is there anything that you want to plug?
0: Yeah, of course. Well, listen, like, you know, you can follow us on Instagram at Pep Talk Her. Send us a DM, say hi. Um, The app is free, Pep Talk Her app on Apple and Android, H-E-R, Pep Talk Her. Um, that'll help you with your career tracking. We're doing a free challenge that's coming up, a free career challenge, um, which I highly recommend if you're just kind of like wanting to get things back on track, looking for a bit of motivation. It's just five days. It's awesome. Amazing crew of a couple of thousand people that do it with us every quarter who you get to meet and sort of build that community. Um, so you can sign up there. It's peptalkher.com forward slash challenge. We'd love to see you there to Amazing. help you get paid what you're worth.
3: <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people will be signing up. And what can all of us do today to start moving the needle?
0: Listen, like let's set a challenge. Like why doesn't everyone listening today go and have one conversation? Flick a text to a mate and say, hey, do you want to do a Zoom coffee to talk about our career? Or, you know, text your brother and say, hey, can I give you a call tonight to talk about my pay? Or text your favorite boss who you worked with three years ago and be like, hey, I just want to, can we do a call? I'd love to talk to you about what you think I should be earning by this point in my career. Just start to talk about money. Just start to talk about it. Start to help others who are coming after you and make sure that you always uh, negotiate as well. Amazing.
4: And Meggie, our final question for the day. If you could give one piece of career advice to your younger self, what would it be?
0: Oh, great question. I think, listen, my favorite quote is leap and the net will appear. And I think that it's a really fun quote that you can apply if you're thinking about investing, but you're kind of freaked out. Um, Do it with a small amount, just leap with a small amount that you're happy to lose so that you can start to learn. And same thing, if you're thinking about a career change or if you're thinking about asking for a raise or promotion, the greatest things in my career have happened when I kind of leapt into the unknown and the net for me has always appeared. Um, and so it's my hope that that'll be the same for your listeners today too.
3: Amazing. It's a bit like sink or swim. <laughs>
0: <laughs> totally. And you'll figure it out. You'll totally figure it out. And we'll work K- it out. It's here to help you as well. Yeah.
3: Amazing. Thanks so much, Maggie. We've absolutely loved chatting with you today.
0: Such a pleasure. So great to virtually meet you, Sophie and Maddie. And hi to everyone listening. Thanks for tuning in today. Thanks, Maggie.
3: Okay, without a doubt, my favorite thing that Maggie said in that chat was inaction is an issue that a lot of us face. So if you are listening to this now and you still haven't made the jump into investing and not financial advice, but maybe just try a hundred dollars, like just put it in leap
4: and the net will appear. Exactly.
3: I love that. In the
4: words of Maggie Because in
3: action. I totally, I can resi- like I can relate to that because I see, you know, some friends and family and whatever else. And they just haven't jumped in yet. And just a hundred bucks, do it, just do it.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: not financial advice. <laughs>
4: Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode. Maggie it was such a delight. We hope you enjoyed her company just as much as we did. As always, follow us on Instagram where we'll be sharing some of the resources that Maggie chatted about on the podcast today. Same with our Facebook group. So, what is it? <laughs>
3: YIGC Investing Podcast Discussion. Yay!
4: Well done. Yes, I
3: got it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but she shared a lot of amazing links. Um, you know, they have their app as well. So we'll be sharing all of that uh, on our social so that you can access any of that information as well. We will definitely be accessing it. Otherwise, you will hear from us next week. Hear you then. Bye.
0: You're in good company is a product of equity mates media. All information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Your In Good Company are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from the podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equity Mates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equity Mates Media and the hosts of Your In Good Company acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea, and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today.